Hey folks, I'm Jason. And I'm Eric. I teach people how to raise livestock on the land. And I teach people the Bible. I play a little banjo. And I play bass. I'm a passionate bow hunter. And I'm a die-hard Badgers fan. Together we're just two common folk trying to pursue Jesus. And live out our faith beyond Sunday's sermon. Well, Eric, you went and did it. I did it. I did. What'd I do? <laughs> you mentioned the tough things in a sermon. I did. I did. But I'm going to be honest. I actually think that the harder thing is talking about the Sabbath. So I said the bad word, which is tithing in church. Yeah. But I honestly think the harder fight for most people in this day and age is the S word, which is Sabbath. Yeah. I think that there's a lot of people that are like, you can take my money, but don't touch my time. Especially when you start um, helping people see that Sabbath doesn't just mean like taking a little rest on Sunday necessarily. And it doesn't even mean like, I think there's a lot of people that honestly mean to honor the Sabbath means go to church. Yeah. And that's definitely part of it. to not work on Sunday or something like that. Yeah. But I think there's even a lot of people who do really feel like if I just go to church once a week, I am fulfilling the Sabbath. And I think that that's where it's, it's a passion of mine to help people understand that there's more to it and to understand that the Sabbath is, is for you. Like, that's what Jesus, like, this is for you. This is not a punishment. Like, right. this is for your good. Yeah. And I think this especially gets hard for people to understand um, in rural settings where you kind of have to, a lot of people we know have to work on Sundays, yep. have to work every day of the week. It's not an option. Yep. That doesn't mean they can't have a Sabbath. Yeah, and, and I think it's important to understand um, that it's not a legalistic thing because I, I find myself there quite a bit because I have a wife who, who works and then I'm a pastor. And so it's well, really... Well, too. <laughs> well, that's... Yes, but I mean, I work to where Sundays are a work day. Yeah. Like that's where it gets tricky because it's like really the only other option we would have is Saturday, which is just that's when everything happens. To try to have our Sabbath be like, hey, we don't really do anything on Saturday. It's like, well, then we no longer have any friendships or family because that's when every get together is is going to be. And and um, so for us, we even had to, you know, for us, Sundays are what we use as our Sabbath. And I, I even said in the sermon, I'm convicted because I have not been protecting it like I should. But I think there are situations where it's like, well, can you at least get everything done first thing in the morning and have a cutoff time that from this time to this time we're done and, and have it extend it as long as you can of just how long of a chunk of one day a week can you truly say, we don't do chores, we don't catch up, we don't work, we don't do any of that. We rest as a family. And for some people, it might only be three to four hours that they can do that. And but then that just start there, start there, right. and see what see what happens. Yeah. So I, you know, when we talk about tithing, um, and we use the terminology found in scripture, 
we often hear the term first fruits, yep. honor the Lord with the first fruits of our earnings. Yep. Um, I view time as the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, honor the Lord with the first fruits of our time, which simply mean to me, um, the Sabbath mean or Sabbath means finding a portion of our time to offer to the Lord. Yeah. And to not be totally cheap and and find, you know, worldly cop out ways to do that. Like, well, I uh I talked to him a little bit on the drive to work this morning. Right. Like that's not the same. Well and it's to me it's more of a <clears throat> How do I want to word this? Because I think I'm actually coming up soon. And I this is I hesitate to say it in case it doesn't happen, but I think I need to do a full several week teaching on Sabbath, just because as I talk to people, I'm realizing this is a huge need. Um, as I talk to people to just understand the even the point of doing it. Because to me, it's it's a big part of honoring the Sabbath is accepting. God's design for our life. Like God made us. He's the designer of our life. And he is telling us, you need a day of rest a week. And it's actually believing him. And that's the biggest problem is I just feel like we fool ourselves into thinking, no, we don't need that. And it's like the mental health in this country, like even for Christians, like, yeah. I, I think, th- I don't want to say specifics because I can't back it up, but it's one out of every a, a horrifying amount of people that are Christians are, like, severely in trouble with right. their mental health. And so we're going, it's kind of like if you buy a car and the guy who made the car is like, you have to change the oil every 3,000 miles. And you're like, I don't know. I don't really believe that guy. Yeah. And then your car breaks down. And you're like, what happened? It's like yeah. you didn't follow the instructions of the person who designed it. And we just see very clearly in the Bible over and over, Old Testament, New Testament, I made you, you need a day of rest a week or else you're going to break down. So day of rest sounds extreme to a lot of people, probably yeah. a lot of people listening to this. So yeah. let's address that first because, um, again, we could, we could easily um, – we could easily be legalistic with this or yep. we could easily be hardliners or whatever you want to call it. Yep. Um, but I want to go as far as saying at first that whoever's listening to this, who, I mean, someone is thinking right now, like these guys have no idea yep. that they're out of touch with how busy they have no idea what my life is like. Yep. And I'll say that I'm probably an example of that. Like, I mean, if you saw our, uh, calendar hanging in our kitchen that we write all of the things on that we have to be to all the time. It's crazy. Yep. And most people look at it and be like, how do you sustain this? But the way that we sustain it, and and I, I want to be very careful, be, and I want to be um, humble and and uh, vulnerable with everybody here, but like, and and so I, I I don't want this to sound prideful, like we have it all figured out, because we have our moments where we are just wore down to the core but the way that we're able to sustain this is we figure out ways to prioritize sabbath Mm -hmm. and we find pockets of time to have rest we um set our schedule up in a way where we prioritize time for the lord and the lord only yeah for me i get up early in the morning 
um, because I need to approach him um, before all the other distractions start uh, filtering in. And that's before my kids are even out of bed. And so before you're tempted to just throw this all out and say there is absolutely no way that a Sabbath can work in my life, I, I would say there's absolutely no way that your life can work for very long without a Sabbath. But that does not necessarily have to look like sitting on the couch and twiddling your thumbs every Sunday afternoon. For some people, it might be. Right. I, I think you're you're hitting it completely on the head. Like we, I mean, Jesus made it unbelievably clear while he was on the earth that the Sabbath is still a thing. Like you should still be like having that be part of your life, but that it's not about the rules of it. Like that's, he really broke that down to be like, he was healing people on the say, like he, I think he purposefully went out of his way to disprove all of the legalistic parts of the Sabbath. But I think here's how I view it, because this is what helps me. Cause I get asked that question all the time as I push people on this. Cause I do, I, I'm not even someone that usually is like a big, like poker at people, but this is one of those things that I will keep pushing because I just believe that it will, it'll just help everybody who does this is I view it as the Bible talks about the land having a Sabbath. And I actually want to talk to you about this because you're going to understand this way more than me. And I'd love to get your thoughts. So what happens is in the Bible, you, you farm the land hard for six years and you're probably growing very similar crops on it over and over for six years. And from what I understand, that's not good on the soil. There's certain nutrients that will be depleted if you're growing the same things over and over on that land. And so what God says is like on, on the seventh year, you have to just leave it alone and what grows, grows. And the beautiful thing that I understand about the land, and this is where I want to get your your take on it, is that when you just let whatever's going to grow, grow, the land is is pretty amazing in that whatever happens to grow there happens to be something that helps sort that soil back out. Is that right? Yeah, that that's actually an awesome example of this conversation, and I'm going to take it a little yeah, deeper even. Please. So, um in terms of land, so Sabbath for the land or letting the land rest is different depending on where we're at in the world, Yeah. depending on what the climate is and all that. Well, isn't that just like our lives as Christians? We're all in a different place. So yeah. Sabbath for me is going to look, my, and it does, my Sabbath approach to it yeah. is not even close to yours, yeah. but we're still figuring out ways to do it and making it a priority. Sometimes we're winning, sometimes we're losing yes. at it. And so in terms of land, so like in Wisconsin or in the upper Midwest or in Northern climates, it's kind of made, the decisions made for us. We can't grow stuff right now. Right. The land is undercover. It's white everywhere. Like we have no option. Although there is, there are practices that we promote quite a bit, um, uh, for farmers that it, it's becoming more prevalent in this region now. It's called cover crops where you basically plant a crop that is going to grow in the off season. So if you think about it, 
when we grow crops in Wisconsin, we're using the land for about six months of the year. Mm -hmm. And the other six months, the land is just resting. Mm -hmm. Um, But we take so much for the land when we harvest crops that we have to think about putting stuff back. If we don't put stuff back, we're mining and mining and mining. And eventually there's such a deficit that our ability to grow something productive on that land just dwindles over time. Doesn't that sound like our lives? Right. Like, I feel like that's a perfect example. If you got to an average Christian and said, how do you feel? And they were honest, they would probably describe that exact thing in their life of, I keep digging deep and digging deep and digging deep, but I I feel like I'm hitting the corners of the bucket and there's not much left. And I don't know how much longer I can do this. Yeah. So... And so now we're actually intentionally growing crops from October or November through the following spring with no intent of taking that crop from the land. We're growing it so that field can collect sunlight, convert it, or collect energy from the sun and convert it to nutrients in the ground just for the um, purpose of rebuilding the soil and preparing it for the next crop. Yeah. In other parts of the world, like, you know, where we read about in the Bible, it does sometimes mean taking a whole year off of growing a crop. There's parts of the United States, uh, in the western part of the United States, where most of our winter produce comes from. They know, I've been reading articles about it, they know that the productivity of the soil is going down so fast that there's like a an end to the production of that land if we don't do something. And so they're really starting to talk about maybe letting the land rest for a year. Yeah. And that's, to me, that's the way that I best look at it and how I encourage people to look at it is, I think this is such a beautiful example. And that's what I love is it's like, this is the biblical example. So it makes sense that it is perfect is that there in, in our day-to-day life right now, for the average person, especially in America, an American Christian, there are parts of us that are just so tapped every day. Like the part of your brain that has to make hard decisions, the part of your brain that has to like manage tension. Like there's these parts of us that are just exhausted and every day it's like they're probably tapped by like noon and we got to just push further. And then there are parts of us that don't get to come out ever. It's like they're core parts of who we are and they're like asking to come out and play and we just never have time. And so we're in this state of being exhausted and empty, but also overflowing and frustrated at the same time. So it's like, that's where that restlessness comes from is I'm exhausted, but I'm overflowing at the same time. And what a Sabbath should be is that, that time where you let what grows grow. It's not sitting and doing nothing, but it's what are the things in me that have not been able to come out? Do I need to be creative right now? Do I need to just write a song or whatever it is? It's that place of like balancing yourself. The parts of your brain that are just exhausted, don't touch that part. Let it rest. But then the parts of you that never get to come out, let that part of you come out. And that's where it's like whatever grows, grows. Like what is it that needs to grow in my land right now? to help balance the nutrients in me 
so that I can walk out of this day and have a little bit more to give on the demanding side that I know is going to be demanded of me again, but then also let the part of me that's been forgotten about get to do a little something and come out and play a little bit. And I, I cannot overstate what that does to your soul when the part of you that you've just kind of lost gets to come out and do some things. And when you start to get into a rhythm of letting that happen, it, it really does change your life. And I know this sounds kind of like fluff, kooky, but it's like you, if there's parts of you that make up who you are that never ever get to actually come out and do anything, like there's no way that that is not hurting you. Right. The term, I want to throw a term out there that has, that's really kind of risen to the top in my mind lately um, that I want to put on other people's radars because I think it describes what we're all in deficit of right now. And that term is margin. Yeah. I believe that we are all living with very little margin. So if you want to go back to the crop growing example, like if you grow a garden and you go plant, um, let's say you plant um, cucumbers and you go put those cucumber seeds in the soil, but you didn't take the time to, you know, you have weeds coming up, you've got grass and and different things coming up, that's never going to grow. It might germinate a little bit, but it's not going to flourish into a plant because there's no margin for it. It's being choked out by everything else that we're leaving there. And so none of this really can happen or we can't really. And and where I want to go next is um, I want to talk about blessings. Mm -hmm. Um, But we can't realize any of that if we have absolutely no margin in our life. And and the other thing I want to say about margin is we all can have margin in our life. I don't care who is listening. I don't care how busy your profession is. And I know that might sound bold, but it's the absolute truth. Everybody can have margin and it starts by taking assessment of what is currently growing, what is currently in your soil and identify a couple of those things that are choking out your ability um, to grow and to have peace and to connect with the Lord and all those things. Like the reason people don't have those things is because they're leaving absolutely zero margin in their life. And so I think that needs to become the goal of people. And that's what the Sabbath is yes creating margin in our life and and so i think it has to start with prioritizing well it's it's like the reason why i i i almost always get talk about sabbath and tithing together because to me they are almost the exact same concept like they're because we'll even think in economics we use the term profit margin well and it's like with anything it's the two most important things to us are time and money. And that's what I can't, it might've even been Dave Ramsey that said this, but I can't remember for sure. But it's basically, if I want to know what's important to somebody, I only need to see two things, their checkbook and their schedule book. If I see those two things, I can tell you what's important because that is how we show what we value 
completely. And that's if you look at your finances, how silly would it be to be like, we are going to go and have bills up to the exact penny of what we take in. You're like, that's because stuff is going to come up and you have not, no space mm-hmm. for those unexpected things. You'd be like, that's foolish. But that's what we do with our time. Like literally we, we book it completely full and it's like stuff is going to come up. Like that's right. so if you have no place to put that like unexpected thing, what do you think is going to happen? I mean, what would you think would happen with your finances? You'd be like, I'd have to go into debt and things would start to spiral out of control. And we're seeing this with our, again, emotional state. We're taking exceedingly more withdrawals than we are deposits. Exactly. And that's where I, the reason I brought this up is it's the same thing of like, if, if you all of a sudden realized, okay, my finances are in a bad spot. I have way too many things. I have way too many payments. And it's over exceeding what I have to pull from. There would be no real easy way for someone from the outside to be like, well, just do X, Y, and Z. It would be a matter of you have to write down everything you're spending money on and you got to go line by line and decide what shouldn't be there. It's the same thing with making margin in your time. There's no way around it. You're going to have to write down everything you spend time on and you're going to have to go each one and say which one of these has to go. And I wish there was an easy way to make space, but there's no other way than that. And you're going to have to say no to things that you want to say yes to. And again, it's the same as our finances. And it's hard because, and I'm going to just speak from experience on that because I feel like I've had this pattern in my life of, I'm the type of person who I end up, I get involved with stuff because I you know, all these different things that I'm part of. It's like, if I see a need for someone to step up, I'll wait for a couple seconds. And if no one steps up, then I do it. And it's like this thing that I've had a problem with. And I have a pretty large capacity to do that kind of stuff. It is greater than a lot of people around me. And and I feel like that's one of my giftings, but I also will occasionally get to a spot where I'm over capacity. And when I hit those moments in my life, I go through this exercise of like keep or toss. And I look at every single thing. Is it worth keeping or tossing? And I've done that a few times in my life. And I'll say that we probably all need to do that on a regular basis because when we make space, it's going to fill up. Sometimes it fills up with the right things. Sometimes it fills up with things that are kind of benign, but a whole bunch of benign things still end up requiring our time and energy and eventually sapping us if if it's too much. Well, that's if you look at your finances and I've done this before too where I'm like I don't like where our finances are at. I got to really look at this. It's it's easy to be like I just want to find the one big thing that I can okay, I'm and it spending very rarely is. It's always the wow, man, we go out to eat a little too much and we spend a little too much on this and, we, and it's all of those little well, it can't things. can't be this thing. This is only $12 or right. whatever. But $12 20 times a month is I don't want to do math this early, but it's <laughs> it's it becomes one of those big It's a lot of dollars. Yes, it becomes one of those big things and that's what before we move on to blessings, this is like This is my very quick, easy, non-legalistic way to look at Sabbath. And this is what I personally use. So if this works for you, great. 
Um, if it doesn't, whatever, but this helps me. I go, I don't try to get ahead on my Sabbath. I don't try to catch up on my Sabbath. And basically I say no to all the you shoulds. You should doesn't exist on my Sabbath. It is what needs to grow out of me. And, and it's usually like you kind of were saying the word that I think we've lost. You said margin. And I even, to me, what kind of popped up in my heart when you said the one word we've lost is play. Like, like Sabbath is play. And what does that mean? And play is when you're not doing it because you should. You're not doing it because you're behind. You're not doing it to get ahead. You're doing it because at your core, it, it's joyful for you to do it. That's really convicting to me. And the thing that I thought of as you said that is, so I thought of my kids mm-hmm. and how often they ask me to do something. And and I'm referring to things that are not like, like they want me to get on their level and do something with them. They're not asking me to like serve them. They're asking me to do something with them, whether yeah. it's play catch or play tea with my daughter Noel with her tea set or read a book or um you know the boys like to shoot bows together so there's all these things that are fun they're not draining things yeah and I think about how many times they ask me to do those things and the answer is almost always not right now right no not Right. right now and if I don't leave enough margin to occasionally say yes then what is that going to do to them? They're not even going to ask anymore because they're just going to come to expect that the answer is no. Yeah. And I think what's hard and it, I love that I get to hear your perspective because obviously I don't have kids. So that's a totally different perspective. But I think what I can relate to is that my list of shoulds never, ever gets done. I, I live in a state of hundreds of shoulds at all times. And that is really hard to let yourself play when you have a list of shoulds. And part of having a Sabbath is learning to play even when there's shoulds still on your list. Yeah. And that's a really, I say this as someone who uh, will have to get Les, my wife on, because she would immediately call me out and be like, you're terrible at that. So I'm someone still learning how to do that. Um, but that's the real challenge for me on the Sabbath is knowing there's so many shoulds still there. So what you're talking about is things that have the intention of um, fulfilling us and building us up as opposed to all the things that are constantly demanding of us and sapping us. I do want to mention, though, that it is important as we go through this process of um, you know, taking stock of what's taking up our time. There may be things that were started out with the intention of fulfilling us and building us up. And there may be things that were taking up our time that have that purpose, but they're not very healthy. Yep. And I think this is also a time to identify those things as well. That's like a whole other conversation because that now we're talking about like changing habits and stuff like that. But I do think that we would be amiss if we didn't. Is it amiss or remiss? I think it's. I think something is amiss, but we yeah, would be we would remiss. be remiss. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. We would be remiss if we didn't mention that. So I think 
we have to be careful and not be like, okay, I'm going to take Sunday for myself. Yes. And I don't, this is just the one that sticks to my mind and I don't want to be a buzzkill by saying it, but like if we take Sunday to ourselves, and then we go sit at a sports bar all day right. and, and do nothing else and yep. um, at the expense of our family and stuff yes. like that, that's not very helpful. That's Correct. actually probably moving us in the wrong direction. No, you're right. And I'll even make it more uncomfortable just because I know there's a lot of people here that love to do it. It should not be, I'm going to spend all day on the golf course and not talk to my wife or kids. Because again, the heart of the Sabbath is you you do it with your family. And I'm not saying you have to do everything, but I do think that it should allow, you should feel closer to your family. So you and I are officially not fun. <laughs> no, we are like, this is one of those, well, hey, I'm just roping you in. Cause like I said on Sunday, I was like, this is going to be a challenging, uncomfortable message. Yeah. So I'm just roping you in as part of this. So people can't just be mad at me. Um, which again, I don't think they are. I just, and there's so much I can talk about. And that's where I think it's good. We'll, we'll do a whole series on Sabbath. Cause then we can sit down and t- give it several weeks yeah. to talk about those aspects because to me this is the this is that place where I hear all the time like all the time what's wrong with the church in America like what's going on why are we seeing so much unhealth and there's never just one reason but I think this is a big one I think right. this is a big Big one that if we start to get this, we're going to start to see. I've seen it in my own life where when I took this serious, it literally changed my life. And that's not hyperbole. Like, and you can ask my wife, she was super skeptical because she is more of the doer. And she's like, I am not on board with this. And I was just like, let's give it a try. And she was the one that after a few months was like, that is my favorite day of the week, and please don't ever stop doing this. You're with me. describing exactly what most people I've talked to have experienced with tithing. Yes, yes. Um, you're asking me to give up a hundred dollars of this thousand dollars or whatever, yeah, yeah. and that's a lot of money, um, especially for people who have never done it before. Um, but then they do it, and they're like, "Dude, it changed my life." Yeah. And, and so I know we're getting long. Maybe we'll end up being a couple minutes long on this episode. I want to touch on the blessing thing. Yes. And so just while you were talking, I was picturing. So one thing that I do in my own life, um, or one of the more enjoyable things that I do. So I think as people are kind of processing this, it could take them in multiple directions. Like what is this, you know, infusing Sabbath time into my life? What's it going to look like? Is it actually going to cost me money or is it, I would say it's right in front of us all the time. And the first step is learning to appreciate what's right in front of you all the time. And so one of my favorite activities is to just get up in the morning and this it's getting to be this time of year, hopefully now. I mean, today's the first day of spring, right? I have no idea. I think it is. And so hopefully the snow goes away and it actually starts looking like spring. Yeah. But I love to get up in the morning and walk around outside with a cup of coffee. Yeah. I have had some of the best times of connecting with the Lord in that moment because I'm able to look around and be like, I can't even believe this. Yes. I can't believe how awesome creation is. 
And I know that sounds cheesy to some people, but it probably sounds cheesy because you've never tried it. Yeah. If you try it, it's unbelievable. It's like I am honestly awestruck when I allow myself to be. And then and then I'll look around and be like, I can't believe you allow me to have this. Yeah. And that could also take us down a slippery slope because someone listening could be like, yeah, well, easy for you to say because you have that. Right. But what we have and the blessings that we all have are all, are in front of us all the time. Yeah. And we're not going to recognize it without margin. Yes. And without taking time for Sabbath. And so all of the stuff that we said up until this point in this conversation leads up to what is, you know, what comes out of all of this mm-hmm. is blessings. Yes. Well, and I think to me it's, and this is what is a struggle because I, I, I want to be bullish with people because I want what's best for them. And, and just to try to explain most of what we spend our money on is to try to find some sort of peace and contentment and purpose. And it's like for whatever. And again, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and be like, it's whatever. It's got to be this much and pre-tax and all that. It's a heart of to give your first fruits to God. He promises to give you all those things. And he doesn't even take all of your money, which we're spending most of it right now trying to chase those things. Right. And it's like, it's just such an amazing, like if, if I came to you and was like, I've created a pill that if you take it, you have complete peace. There's no side effects. You, you take this pill and you wake up and you actually enjoy whatever life is. If you have a family, you enjoy them. If you have a job, you enjoy that you get to do it. You go to bed like content and peaceful every night. What could I charge for that pill? And it's way more than what God charges. I mean, that's just the, like God is giving us such an amazing gift that for us to be like, oh, well he, that's a little too steep. It's like, even look at millionaires. Look at what they spend their money on. It's trying yeah. to chase the things that we get freely I as think Christians. That was the point you made yesterday that just really stood out to me. And I, I even made some notes. And I, I think uh, we can say boldly, but confidently, without any potential of you know. Um, uh, overselling this or overstating it or anything like that, that everybody is blessed. Yep. Everybody is blessed. Yes. Everybody. And even the people who choose to chase all these other things, like they're blessed because they, they can obtain God's blessings if they choose to, it's their choice. Yep. And um, I love what you read yesterday in Deuteronomy 28, where it says you will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. Your offspring will be blessed and your lands produce and the offspring of your livestock, including the young of your herds and the newborn of your flocks. Your basket and kneading bowl will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. And so even the person listening who is lonely, or the person who has an ailment, or the person who is struggling with anxiety, or the person who is booked to the max, 
and has no time or the person who's struggling with finances or the people who are sitting perfectly comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're blessed. Yes. It, well, and it's, I, I want to, to the person who's listening to this, please don't do this because we're telling you to. Like, don't do this to appease us because you don't have to appease us. Do this because you trust the intention of God and you're like, okay, everything I know about God tells me that he loves me unbelievably and gives me gifts that are so beyond what I could have even thought or imagined. And so if he is literally saying to do this, number one, he's worthy of me doing it even without the blessing. But then on top of it, if he's saying, test me, see how much I bless you, do it for that. Don't do it because, well, pastor yelled at me because I didn't. Do it because you are so in awe of who God is and you trust his intentions for you so much that it's a no-brainer. Because to me, at least, it really is. And that's where, I mean, they've, they've done studies on this on happiness levels. And they have found that if you are in such immense poverty that you don't know where your next meal is going to come from and you don't know how you're going to keep a shelter over your head, then having more money does make you happier to the point of you are able to feed yourself consistently and have consistent shelter over your head. Once you hit that point, more money has zero effect on your happiness level. In fact, it's the opposite. And so we had we had Mike Radetzky on and he kind of made fun of himself for the old beat up truck. They have done studies. And if you go from an old beat up truck to a brand new $100,000 truck, it has zero impact on your happiness level. And so that's why if you're listening here and you are truly like, I'm starving, I don't know where my next meal is coming from, then yes, you have to do what you have to do. And this is not directed at you. But for almost all of us, we we have food to eat and we have a shelter over our heads. And at that point, it's just understanding that no matter what the advertisements tell you, no matter what these companies tell you, what you are going to spend your money on is not going to give you what you're looking for. That's just a scientific fact they've proven. Yeah. And before we close, I just want to make sure that my previous statement about everyone being blessed is not uh, misunderstood. So I just want to clarify that the blessings of God or the gifts of God are available to everyone. They're available whether you choose to accept them or not. And he makes them extremely easy to obtain. We don't have to like go through this 10 step process to claim this gift that is being available to us. We just have to choose. You want it or not. Yep. And everyone can choose. And some people choose to take it and some people don't. So those blessings are available to every single person. Yep. Regardless of what their life looks like. And what is the key for those of us who are pursuing the Lord? What is the key to obtaining that? It's simply obedience. Yes. And so as we, as we pursue the Lord, um, it, it basically, whether we choose to obey what he's asking us to do or not is making all the difference in the world. 
Well, and, and that's what, like, as we close, and this one is a little longer, but I'm okay with it because I feel like I could easily talk another hour on this. So I feel like this is a restrained even as it is. Well, we don't have to be legalistic about the time of our podcast. <laughs> exactly. That's a, if you have to stop at a half hour, that's fine. Yeah. But to me, one, one of the points that I think even just really hit me as I was preparing that message is the idea that obedience doesn't earn your blessing it positions you to receive like, like God is pouring his goodness out. Like that's about like, he's already pouring it out. That's who he is. He is pouring out his goodness all over. The obedience gets us into the position to receive it. Like that's what it is, is obedience is much more about the placement of our hearts than it is about appeasing God. And so to, to basically uh, things like tithing and having a Sabbath, what they do to us, oh, we hit nine yep, o'clock, we is. hit nine o'clock. What they do to us is they get us in that place to, to receive it. So it's, it's like, if God's the quarterback, like how, how quarterback and wide receivers usually work is like, there's a spot. I throw it to this spot. So like, God's going to throw the ball. Mm-hmm. Like, are we at the spot? Are we at the spot right. where the ball is going? Because if we're not, and then we're like, why well, isn't God blessed? It's like, he threw it. Like you weren't at the spot. And that's what obedience does. It gets us to the spot. It's not earning that throw. God's like, I'm throwing it. Whether you're there or not, I'm throwing this. My goodness is being poured out right now. And obedience is like, I want to get to where that's going. I want to be where that goodness is landing. And I think for me, that helps me to not feel like, oh, I'm appeasing God and I'm somehow earning this goodness so that I can be haughty and boastful of, well, I tithe. And so that's why this and this, it's it's humbling myself to go like, I need God's goodness. And he tells me this is where it's landing. So I'm going to do what it takes to get where that goodness is going to land because I right. want to be there. Yeah. And I think we could maybe we put a pin in obedience and come back to that sometime yeah. because it is a word that can have a sour taste to it at first to people, especially who don't understand what obedience really is because it, it sounds stuffy, yeah. but it's not at all. It's actually the total opposite. But to, to just kind of finish with your, your wide receiver analogy, like that's only going to work if we run that play a bunch of times yep. and practice it a whole bunch of times and yep. make it uh, second nature, force a habit. Yep. And so to kind of bring this full circle, whether it's tithing or infusing, infusing, yep. integrating, whatever you want to use, Sabbath work. into our life, yep. those are both obedience things. It's It's basically putting our heart in the right place. Yep. And I think you're right. Obedience is a skill. It's a skill you can get better at. And I think that I I know we got to, we have to end, but I think one of the problems with obedience is number one, that word has been abused by church leaders in the past. And so that's where it's like, even as a pastor, like you don't, it's not about obeying me. Like it's about obeying God. So it's like, that has been one of those things where I think people have a sour taste in their mouth is it's, it's been sometimes abused um, in that. And so it's like, for me, it's like, I'm more worried about, are you listening to God and obeying him? And that's where it's even like, like tithing and Sabbath are going to be, those are real difficult ones. And it, you might have to grow that skill 
on some of the the smaller obedience to to start to grow that skill cuz like you've said multiple times as you do it and as you see the result of like oh if i get there the ball falls right in my hands and i kind of like this so maybe in the big games i'm going to start doing this too um it's a skill that you can actually learn and grow obedience isn't natural for any of us cuz if it was natural god wouldn't have to tell us to do it and that's part of obedience is he's telling us to do it and so I just want to encourage anyone listening too is like just grow the skill in any small way that you can start obeying God um, and you'll start to get muscle memory on on how to do that. Well, Lord, all of us get this wrong um, often, uh, including Eric and me. Um, But we, we know that your promise is that your blessings are available to us as long as we um, can just be obedient to you. And so we just thank you for that promise. And we thank you that you don't expect us to have it perfect and that you give us the opportunity to work on it and to refine it. And we just ask you to help us do that and everyone else listening that you can just show us some ways this week that we can build on that and improve it. And ultimately, Uh, enjoy and embrace the blessings that you have for us in your name. Amen. Amen.